If you'd remain standing, our scripture reading comes this morning from 1 John chapter 3, verse 11 through 4, 6. This is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life in him. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and truth. This, then, is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. Whenever our hearts condemn us, for God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we obey his commands and do what pleases him. And this is his command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. Those who obey his commands live in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming, and even now is already in the world. You, dear children, are from God, and have overcome them, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world, and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us. But whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. The word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. If I can invite you to be seated, please. It's good to be here with you all this morning. Uh, For those who helped out last Sunday, thank you so much. Um, I'm sorry I was not here, but you didn't want me to be here, and so that's good. Although it's the first time in 20 years that I've ever missed church because I got sick the night before. Um, Well, really ever, have I? Yeah. So, um, yeah, Mindy's like, you're not going to church. All right. So so it's good to be here. Um, Folks who prayed, who did announcements, I appreciate John Rink so much for coming and being able to share a testimony and a message. Um, And... It's just, it's good to be here with you all, and it's good to know that, that things went well, and so I'm just so grateful for that. Uh, this morning, we're going to be continuing our sermon series where we're looking at one of the shortest books of the Bible in the New Testament, 1 John. And in 1 John, we've read the, the words of the Apostle John as he serves in his words as a witness to Jesus Christ. If we go and we look at the end of the Gospel of John, chapter 21, you're going to see where Jesus commissions Peter and tells him that he is going to be the great shepherd of Jesus' sheep and he is going to die a similar death that Jesus dies. 
Uh, Peter, I think, you know, gets nervous and he says, well, what about this guy? And Jesus says, oh, he's going to live and he's going to be a witness to Christ. And so John took that commission that had been given to him by Jesus himself, and that is the focus that he placed on his ministry and on his mission from that point forward until he died. And so part of what he did is he wrote the gospel. He also wrote letters in the New Testament, and his letters serve as a guide or as a framework for us to read today as we seek to grow in our faith and as we also face similar changes and challenges to what the early Christian church faced. On the first Sunday in this series, I shared with you something that the format of John's letter is somewhat repetitive and confusing. And what I mean with that is John starts with his main idea, then he goes around a bit, he talks a little bit about it, then he introduces a second idea, and then as he's explaining the second idea, he returns to the first idea, he throws in a third idea, he goes to the second idea, and he just kind of keeps going back and forth as he's introducing and as he's building this argument of what he understands God to be and Jesus Christ to be. And because of his format, if you go and you read his letter from beginning to end, which if you've never done so, it's a really easy read. What you're going to notice is his letter feels at times repetitive, especially when you read it compared to like the letters of Paul that we read in the New Testament, like the book of Romans, the book of Galatians or Ephesians or Philippians, because Paul's letters are very structured. They're focused. They have a clear path of what Paul wants to get said, of what he wants us as the readers to receive by reading his letters. And so he structures his letters in that way to argue or to present to us the facts of the case so that we can assume the conclusion for ourselves. John's a little different. Although even with his letters being structured differently, John's letters are equally as important as Paul's letters that we can read and we can study together in our New Testament. So in our scripture this morning, John has returned to the main idea or the centerpiece and the focus of why he has written this letter to this early Christian church. And that centerpiece or that focus is similar to the words that you and I have read throughout the first three chapters of this letter, which is consistent with his entire gospel, which is to focus on how Christians are to model and to show love to each other within the Christian community in the same way that God sent Jesus and showed love to us through the sending of of His Son, Jesus Christ. So what John is saying, what John is doing, what John is presenting in his Gospels and in all three letters is what he wants us to see is the main point is to focus on how through His love God has sent His Son for us, who died for us, and then he talks about how we are able to show love through the following of the commandments, and through the relationship that we have with each other within both the Christian community and also with those that are outside the Christian community. And so he writes this at the very first verse that we read this morning. He says, this is the message you have heard from the beginning. We should love one another. And as we face the question, as we hear the charge of how we are to love one another, we wrestle with what that means and how God desires us to live in that way. I think this rubber band is is a helpful kind of visual because it gets us to think about the idea of love and how we struggle with it because we live in this tension between where Jesus tells us we are to love but also Jesus says in later portions, even in this book of the Bible, that we are to love through the way that we live out the commandments that God has given us. 
Because God desires us to repent of our sins. God calls us to leave whatever false truths we have chosen to follow. And God provides us the law and the commandments, not for us to have a strict and rigid life, but for us to be able to pursue love in an even greater way as we acknowledge and as we realize that the only perfect life that can and will ever be lived is the life in Jesus Christ. So we struggle in this tension between love and accountability. We struggle knowing we need to repent of our sins, that God calls us to repent of our sins in order for us to be able to pursue love in an even greater way. You hear what he's saying? John's saying you have to set your sin aside to pursue love in an even greater way with those who are around you. That's the only way that we are going to even be able to come close to the only life that has ever been perfect, which is the life that comes to us through Jesus Christ. John later writes, he says, But you children are from God, and you have overcome them, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. You have overcome, because the one who is greater in you is greater than the one who is in the world. If John's writing to a church who's facing trials and false teachings, John's writing to a church that has had individuals who have left the Christian community to share their own false gospel. John is writing to a church who is having others preach versions of the gospel that sound close enough to the true faith that that, uh, people are hearing and they're being misled. And their teachings are either denying the divinity of Jesus or denying the full humanity of Jesus. We've talked about this, but there's conflict in the body of Christ because of what these false preachers and what these prophets are teaching. And so John reminds them that as a Christian community, they're first to be defined by the love they show and share with each other. And then he says, for you to do that, you have to lean into the one who is greater than the one who is in this world. See, he's saying you have to do it and you have to rely on Jesus, right? He's saying for you to be able to love as Christ envisions you loving, as Christ wants us to love, as God created us to love as a community of faith, he's saying for us to even love in that degree that that God himself intends for us, we can't do it on on our own, can we? And so what we have to do is we have to lean into the one who is greater than the one who is in this world. Folks, he's saying we have to lean into in Jesus. We have to lean into Jesus. We have to lean on Jesus. We have to depend on Jesus. We have to make him our foundation. And for the early church, and even for us, for for them to stay grounded in the true, true teachings of Jesus... It means staying grounded in the essentials of what it means to be a Christian. It means staying grounded on on the foundations of what we know are the foundations of faith. It means looking around and seeing God at work, not just in our lives, but in the lives of those around us. Because it takes faith for us to see God at work and for us to recognize that it is the strength and the presence of God within us that helps us to overcome whatever challenges we're facing. It takes faith for us to stay focused on God, 
even as we have other situations and things that that strive to take or, or keep our attention, it takes faith for us to be grounded in God who gives us strength to face whatever situation we are in and to overcome whatever is before us. See, folks, John's church could be our church. The church, you know, in general and universal today. Because he's writing to people who are confused, people who perhaps have been blown off course, people who don't know which way to turn and which teacher to follow because the false teachings are just close enough to the real thing to make sense. Until you really get into what's being said. Friends, what John wants us to see is that that our faith is not built on the essentials, then nothing else is true. And so, for example, in this scripture this morning, at the the latter part that we have read, when he talks about the incarnation and about Jesus coming, basically he's, he's saying is that if there are people telling you otherwise, that's not true, you can't follow that. Jesus is a true being. He walked on the earth. Jesus is a human birth. Jesus who was raised by human parents. Jesus who ate and drank and slept and did all of the things of his day-to-day life that, that you and I are able to do and have to do. He walked with the disciples. He taught. He healed. He did all of these things. And as he did all of these things, John wants us to see, he did them both fully God and fully man, where he writes, he became flesh and lived among us. I mean, if you go and look at the Gospel of John and then his letters, this is a non-negotiable for him. This isn't something that he's saying it's a possibility. This isn't something that he's saying it might be true. What he is saying is what? Is Jesus, in Jesus, the incarnate God came on this earth. Meaning, Jesus, who is fully God and who is fully man, out of his love for us, who in his love for us, died for us, was crucified for us, was resurrected for us, and out of his love for us, forgave us. And so what he's saying is Jesus doesn't seem human. He doesn't seem to be God. Jesus was God. Jesus was human. Jesus was both. And that's who he was. And that's who he is. And that's what we believe as followers of him. And then he writes this, We are from God. And whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. Friends, all we can do is cling to the message that we receive from the gospel of Jesus Christ. All we can do is listen to those who we know are of Christ and to ignore those that we know are not. But all we can do is control who we are control how we live, and control how we respond to the grace that God has given us. And the way we do that is to hold on to the true faith, to set aside our idols, to set aside our false teachings, to set aside our false understandings, and to focus on Jesus. Jesus who gives you life and who grants you life eternal. Jesus who through his action has already selflessly won you the victory. Jesus, who is greater than anything that this world can throw at him, even death, even death on a cross. Friends, you and I have Jesus. We have Jesus when the world tells us that Christianity is a dated religion. We have Jesus when the world tempts us and invites us to worship everything else. We have Jesus who tells us, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. 
No one who comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Because we have Jesus who shows us who the true God is, because that's him. Who has chosen to relate to us. Who has chosen to be in relationship with us through the Father, through the Son, and through the Holy Spirit. Because we know Jesus. We know he lived. We know he died. And we know he rose from the dead. And we know that he gave us the Holy Spirit. It helps us to listen to God, to discern the voice of God, and that helps us to know and to love the commandment that we read today, which is to love one another as I have loved you.